Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the Yarn Truck Podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 111, recorded the week of July 24th, 2020. And today's episodes include just one, me on my own. I'm talking about making thick yarn three different ways. Sit back and get comfy and enjoy the show. So Dave has just gotten in a big order of yarn that needs dyeing um, for a couple of different deadlines coming up. So he is spending the day in the dye studio and I just wanted to jump in and do a short little podcast by myself. Um, I used to do these more um, when I would watch the shop and Dave would be home with the kids. Um, But since we've gone brick and mortarless with the yarn truck, um, Dave and I have both managed to to be on most of the time. so I'm a little bit rusty and out of practice doing uh, doing podcasts by myself. Uh, but let's just jump right into it. Um, I have done several projects recently um, and uh, for a couple of different, um, I've got some classes and things coming up that I'm working on doing some preparations for where I have wanted to create really, really thick yarn. Um, so I'm not talking about a sort of a general chunky weight yarn that you can buy in, in most places. I'm talking about like comedy thick yarn, like as big around as your wrist kind of yarn. Um, and there are a couple of use, like of uses and reasons why you would want really, really thick yarn. And I'm sure there's a bazillion more that I, I'm not even thinking of. But off the top of my head, I have done rugs with the super, super thick stuff. Um, and like floor poofs, like basically a big round ball that you stuff with something that you can use as a footstool or my children use it as a landing pad when they jump off the sofa a hundred times a day. Um, those I think are good, uh, good uses for that, um, that kind of a thing. I will admit, um, uh, that I do not think that the super thick yarn makes great blankets. I know that that's a super, um, popular thing to me. There's a couple of reasons why the biggest one being weight. Um, you're just, if you've created yarn in one of these three ways, that yarn is going to be really heavy if you have enough of it to do a blanket. Um, and also a lot of working with the super, super thick yarn tends to be really hard on your hands. And so if you're making something as big as a blanket, it's probably going to be unpleasant for you to work on. Um, and to me, I, I like to enjoy my fiber crafts. Um, but obviously that's going to be different for everybody. So do, do what you like with your thick yarn. Um, but the three ways that I have made thick yarn, um, over the last couple of weeks are finger crocheting many, many strands together braiding um, and I specifically was braiding fabric strips from my scrap bag of fabric Um, but you could certainly do the same thing with yarn Um, and then the third one is using a spinning wheel to actually ply um, your your multiple strands of yarn together Um, so I'm going to go through each one of those um, for the pros and cons and how how they work um, so that if you are find yourself in need of very thick yarn um, you've got a starting point So the first one that I'm going to talk about is the finger crocheting, um, probably because this is the one that I've been doing for the longest amount of time. Uh, When I was really little, like eight, um, I didn't know how to knit or crochet 
Um, I think my grandmother had tried to teach me to crochet and I got the chain down. I was really good at chaining, um, but I didn't know how to do anything else. And so what I used to do is I used to take an entire ball of yarn, um, start at one end and just make a crochet chain all the way to the other end of the ball of yarn. Um, and then I would start back at the beginning and then I would crochet chain the already crochet chained yarn, um, so that I would get thicker and I'd go all the way to the end. And I mean, I would do that like four or five times, um, until this yarn was as big around as my wrist as an eight year old. Um, and then I would use it as a jump rope. Um, so that is one way to make a very, very thick yarn. Um, and when I say finger crochet, I mean, you're making a crochet chain with just your finger instead of with the crochet hook. Um, so basically what, what a crochet chain is, is you create a loop. So I, I use a slip knot um, and then you leave that slip knot big enough that you can comfortably and easily get your two fingers, like your pointer finger and your thumb. I'm making a little hand motion, which you can't see, um, but like the little grabby hands where you're, you're, you're putting those two fingers together to grab something. So you leave your loop big enough that you can comfortably get your, your pointer and your thumb through there. You reach through the loop and you grab the string on the other side of the loop. And then you pull that string through, which creates a new loop. And then you reach through that loop with your pointer finger and your thumb and you pull up again and you just keep doing that. Um, it's something that you don't have to look at. Like you can do this while you watch TV. Um, it doesn't require any um, equipment except for the yarn that you're doing or the fabric or the I also when I was little, I used to cut uh plastic bags like grocery bags into strips and then I would sing I would uh, finger crochet those strips of grocery bags um I <laughs> I've always liked fiber arts but I've never I've not necessarily always know how to channel it into something useful at the end um because then you have giant ropes of plastic bags that you don't really have a purpose for um what I did when I was very young is tie all the doorknobs in our house together I don't think that's probably recommended um but uh, so doing the, that finger crochet, it creates a really interesting look um, to the way your yarn actually looks. It's going to add a lot of texture. A huge pro to working with the yarn afterwards is the yarn is much less splitty. Um, so if you just hold 20 strands of yarn together and try to work with that as a giant thick yarn, what you're going to do is miss some of the strands of yarn a lot. So you're going to have partial part of the 20 strands are going to come with you as you're crocheting or knitting or whatever it is that you're doing with your yarn, but not all of them. It's just harder to keep that many strands of yarn contained. Um, so it's good in that it keeps them all together and you're, you're less likely to split your yarn just by adding that much texture to it. Um, the other benefit, in my opinion, for that finger crochet technique is if you think about the way that looks, you've actually got three strands of yarn together. So what you're doing is you're taking one strand of yarn and as you pull a strand through a loop, which is comprised of two strands, one on either side is what makes that loop. You actually turn one strand into a thickness of three strands with those, the, the two strands of the loop and the one strand that you're pulling through. So you automatically turn one strand into something that is three times as thick as it started with. 
So when I was creating the the yarn, I've actually got the gigantic ball of yarn that I I finished um, with me right now. I had, um, I think I used five balls of like, they were already quite chunky, um, bulky yarns. I think I had five balls of those um, made up and I was finger crocheting with those five balls held together. So you just grab the end of the ball from, from all five different balls and you hold them together in your hand like it's one string and then you finger crochet that. So what I was doing was I was taking five chunky strands of yarn and by finger crocheting them, I was making it three times as thick, which equals 15 strands of chunky yarn. Now, if I actually just had 15 strands, uh, like 15 balls of yarn, and I was trying to um, to just work with those, that would be very challenging to do, to keep track of them and not have them um, tangle up. So this is a way to turn a manageable number of balls of yarn, five, um, into a much, much thicker yarn. So I really like this technique. Um, and then, of course, you end up with a yarn that if you want it to be even thicker than that, you can start at the beginning and do it again. And then you'll have your 15 strand thickness of yarn will turn into a 45 strand thickness of yarn if you go over it again. Um, that is getting into very comedy large, like as big around as your leg kind of thickness yarn. Um, but you certainly could do that. Um, so I like that one. I think there's several pros um, to doing it that way. Uh, a con would be it does create a, if you think about a crochet chain, that's a flat thing. So it's not going to create a round yarn. Um, and I'm not sure how better to describe that than, than just saying that. If you've ever seen a crochet chain, it's, it's flat. Um, when you look at the chain, it looks like the letter V on one side. And then if you flip it over, it's like a bumpy on the other side. Those are the, the widest parts. So it's almost like a tape. And then if you look at it sort of halfway between those, it's a lot narrower. Um, so it's a flat thing. Um, this is highlighted when it gets a lot bigger. So if you're looking at a tiny uh, crochet chain made out of a lace weight yarn, um, it's not going to be super obvious. But when you've got something as big around as your wrist, it's very obvious that this is two or three times as wide as it is tall. It's not a round profile. Versus if you think about most strands of yarn, they are round. Um, so it is going to act and look a little bit different when you're knitting or crocheting with it than if it was perfectly round. The biggest difference when you've got a flat yarn versus a round yarn, um, I think it's even, I think it is the most obvious in knitting. Um, it makes the fabric look more open than it is. Um, if that makes sense. So if I'm working with a much smaller um, yarn, like I'm working with a lace weight yarn and I'm just doing stockinette stitch on a size one needle um, and I would expect that if I was using a lace weight yarn that was round, um, my fabric would be pretty uh, opaque. It would not be see-through. Um, it would basically look like the yarn touched all of the other yarn all around it, all the way around. There wouldn't be gaps where there was air and no yarn. Um, versus if I did that exact same thing with the exact same needle size and the exact same thickness of yarn, but my yarn was flat instead of round, and I knit the same little square and you looked through it, if you held those two squares up next to each other, it would be very obvious that the one with the flat yarn, you could see more 
air through the holes. It would it would look holier and more open. So it would almost look like you used a needle that was too big for the size yarn that you used. Um, that is much more of an issue when you're working with thinner yarns. Once you get up into like the comedy giant yarn, your gauge becomes less important. Um, just visually, it, it's not going to make that big a, a difference. You don't expect when you see something made with gigantic yarn, you don't expect for you to not be able to see any light around it. Um, in fact, I must think it would look weird if it was completely dense and not see-through. Um, so I don't think it's as big a deal, but just be aware that is one of the downsides of this technique um, over uh, the one of the other two that I'm going to talk about. So that's one finger crochet. Don't need any knowledge ahead of time. Um, and uh, it can let you put a lot of strands of yarn and create a very, very thick yarn very, very quickly. Um, my second one that I'm going to talk about um, is braiding, um, and that also doesn't require any special equipment, which is nice. The last way is going to involve, you, you're either going to need a spinning wheel or a drop spindle, um, and some knowledge of spinning, um, which makes it not as approachable for everybody. Um, but the second way is braiding. Um, braiding, I think most people probably know how to do just a basic braid where you've got three strands, um, and you can obviously combine more than one string of yarn into each of those three like bundles. So you could take 15 balls of yarn and divide them into three bundles of five and then just braid with them as if the, the bundles were just one strand. And that would give you um, a braid that was 15 strings of yarn across and, and big. Um, the braid is also going to give you the like flat. It's not a round thing. Um, so if you're braiding with the super thick bundles of yarn, it's also going to be a flat um, piece. But um, if that is how your brain works better, that can be a good option for you. The way that I did it for me personally, if I'm using yarn, I'm going to be finger crocheting it. Um, if I'm, if I'm not going to be using the spinning wheel, I just find it much more manageable to deal with all the balls of yarn, um, deal with them five at a time rather than 15 at a time. Um, but the application that I use this for was with fabric strips. Um, so I am a sewer as well, um, and I have a bag that I shove all of my little scraps of fabric into. Um, especially with garment sewing, you tend to have a lot of fabric scraps, um, and I don't like to waste them. I want to do something useful with them. So I wanted to turn them into a rug, um, and I wanted to make yarn first, um, and then basically just sew the coil, like make a big coil round rug, um, sewing the, the pieces together. And to me, when I tried, so I could kind of rip my fabric or cut my fabric into strips pretty easily. Um, but when I was trying to finger crochet those strips, which is what I started with, it was very hard on my hands um, to do that. It just, it was unpleasant. I didn't like it. Um, so I decided braiding because your, your strips of fabric are so much thicker than your strings of yarn. You only need one strip of fabric to be as each of your three in there. And so what I would, would do is I pulled everything out of my scrap basket and I pulled and cut as many things into strips as I could. Um, and it's, it has worked fine for me to use any kind of fabric. So some of my stuff is 
stretchy like knit fabric. Some of it is not stretchy like quilting cotton woven fabric. Some of it's made with nylon and with bamboo and with linen and with cotton and with wool and with all kinds of things. I just strips of everything. Um, and then I would just grab the first three, start braiding. Um, they're all different lengths. Um, and whenever one ran out, I stuck another one in there. Um, so they kind of overlapped them an inch or two, um, and just kept going. Um, and that was much, much easier on my hands. Um, and because the fabric strips were thick enough that I didn't feel like I needed to hold more than one strip together, um, it was really easy to keep track of just those three. Um, so to me, that uh, that was a better option for turning fabric strips into yarn um, rather than the finger crocheting. Um, but it's try both and see which one you like the best because you could, of course, braid the braids um, if you want thicker and thicker yarn. Um, you could do a braid of three strands and then do three of those braids and then braid those three together. Um, I don't like yarn ball management. Um, I don't want to work with more than three to five balls of yarn at a time. I just, I don't like untangling yarn when it gets tangled up. Um, and I'm not able to do it, do more than five balls without getting them tangled up. And that leads me to the last method that I've used in the last couple of weeks um, of making the super thick yarn, which was to use my spinning wheel. Um, I enjoy spinning. I have the last, I don't know, probably five or six years, um, I've really gotten into participating in the Tour de Fleece, um, which they run at the same time as the Tour de France, but you set goals for yourself and, and you're spinning. Um, and I've done the majority of my spinning every year during that time time this year the actual tour um, with the bicycle ride was delayed and so they're kind of doing a partial one when it would have run um, and then maybe doing another one when it actually runs and I just I haven't I haven't been into it that hasn't been my thing this year so I didn't do it at all um, except I decided well let me try um, spinning um, something to create a thicker yarn uh, so I've had some linen yarn that I bought on sale I mean like 12 years ago I want to say it was before I even moved to England which was a very very long time ago um I like it it's a pretty color I like it's 100% linen um I just and I had a lot of it I had like five or six balls of it I just I wasn't speaking to me I couldn't figure out what to do with it as it was um, and so I wanted to make it way thicker um, and then I'll probably I, I'm hoping to create um, like a rug to go under our bed um, or like beside the bed for because we have hardwood floors and so to keep something nice to put your feet on um, and so I did um, I did this on the spinning wheel. Uh, you could definitely do it on with a drop spindle as well if you've got one of those and not a spinning wheel. Um, but I feel like this is a more um, this is a more usual way that people make thicker yarn. Um, you can ply commercially bought yarn together um, to turn a single, which is what this was. It was just one single strand of linen um, into multiple strands. Um, just like with a spinning wheel, you can spin your own singles. Um, so take fiber and turn it into one strand and then twist multiple strands together. You can do the exact same thing with commercial yarn. Um, the only real rule on a spinning wheel or drop spindle is you can only combine strands together if they're 
if the twist in the strands is all going the same direction. So if you have, if you hold up strands of yarn and, or if you hold up a commercial yarn and you look at it, um, you can see which way it's twisted. So if you look at, I actually hold my hand, like I'll, I'll hold the string of yarn up, I'll look at it and I'll, I'll slant my hand. Which way is the slant going? Does it go, um, does the top of my fingers go to the right um, so that my fingers lean forward or does the, the top of the thing, the top of my hand point left so that my hand leans backwards. Um, in official spinning vocabulary, this would be called an S twist or a Z twist or a Z twist if you're not married to a British man or from England. Um, and if you think about which way the bar of the S versus the Z goes when you write those letters down. Um, and they, your yarns or your strands or whatever that you're going to combine together via spinning need to be going the same direction. You can't put a yarn that, that is S-twisted together with a yarn that is Z-twisted. Um, they just, it will never be yarn. There will always be two strands next to each other with lots and lots of extra twists in them and it, it doesn't end well. Um, so since this was all the exact same yarn, just multiple balls of it, um, it was all twisted in the same direction. Um, and so I could easily just ply it um, with itself. Um, and I actually chose, because I knew I wanted this a lot thicker, um, I actually chose to what's called Navajo plying, or sometimes it's called chain plying, um, which is basically finger crocheting the exact same way I talked about in the very first technique. Um, you're just doing it with a spinning wheel. And instead of creating those crochet chains really close together um, so that it looks like you made a crochet chain, like you were going to start a crochet project, um, you make those crochet chains as wide and spread open as you possibly can. And your spinning wheel is twisting that to create those three strands of yarn next to each other. Um, and I actually did that twice. So I would take my one ball of yarn um, of the this commercial linen yarn um, and I would Navajo ply it with itself. So that created it three strands then um, when the yarn came off the spinning wheel. And then I would take that exact yarn and send it through the spinning wheel a second time, again, Navajo plying itself. So then I was taking my three strands of yarn and putting three of those three strands together, which is nine strands, if I can do math. Um, and so that created a much thicker yarn um, that I feel like is going to be a lot more useful to me. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, if you have not done much spinning, um, anytime you're going to twist yarn and sort of ply it um, with itself, with something else, whether it's a commercial yarn or um, your hand spun yarn, every time you ply it again, you need to put the twist in the other way. So if the twist goes in, uh, if your spinning wheel went put the twist in with your wheel going clockwise the first time, then when you go to ply that with itself, your, your spinning wheel needs to go counterclockwise. And then if you're going to apply that with itself again, your spinning wheel needs to switch and back, go back to clockwise again. Um, it took me a while to wrap my head around that um, because I feel like plying already plied yarn is not something that people talk about a whole lot. Um, it took me a while to figure that one out. Basically, I just tried it both ways and see which <laughs> saw which one worked the best. 
Um, but definitely do be aware of that. Every time you're going to ply a yarn, it needs to be going. You need to be twisting it with your wheel or your spindle the opposite way that it was twisted the last time. Um, I will make a little note to myself a lot of the times and I'll write it right on the little tag that I put on the yarn of the last time this was plied, the wheel was going clockwise or counterclockwise. Um, because I tend to put my hand spun stuff up on the shelf for like special occasions because it seems like special yarn. And then it's years before I go back to it and do anything else with it. Um, so I've long since forgotten what step I'm in with the process. Um, so it was a, it was a fun project to do. Um, the other, so the, the limitations for this are obviously you need a spinning wheel or a drop spindle. Um, and there's going to be some element of technical skill at spinning um, that's required. Although I think the plying requires, I don't, I will say less skill than spinning fiber into a single to start with. I think plying requires less skill because truly, I think drafting, pulling the fibers apart to create kind of an even amount of fiber all the way along, to me, that is the most challenging part of spinning. But plying definitely is its own craft. Like that's its own thing. You can be an awesome spinner of singles, but if you've never plied before in your life, that's a different set of skills. Um, so, but I, I do think that it's easier to pick up those skills. Those tend to come faster in terms of keeping all your strands under the same amount of tension and being even with your feet and hand speed so that the same amount of twist goes in um, to the same section of yarn. Um, I think those people tend to pick those up faster. Um, the drawback of doing creating super thick yarn on your spinning wheel is you're limited to how thick your yarn can be by how big the orifice is on your spinning wheel. Um, so if you're not familiar with spinning wheels, there's a hole in the front where um, what has not yet been spun is on the outside of your hole, of the hole where your hands are um, because you're manipulating it. And then as it goes through the spinning wheel, it goes through the, the orifice is what it's called, um, the hole, that then it goes on to the bobbin. That's, that's what you're seeing when you look at yarn on a spinning wheel. Um, and so you cannot create yarn that is thicker than that hole is big because a yarn that's thicker than that won't go through the hole. Um, and I would also say a yarn that is very close to as big as that hole also will not go through the hole very well. Um, and I actually ran into that as I was working um, with the with this yarn. Um, it, the, the second time through, it was close enough to the size that I had a lot of trouble getting it through and I ended up having to sort of hand wind quite a bit of it on to the, the bobbin. Um, so I would have to stop the wheel and use my hand to move the bobbin. Um, it just it loses so much energy and so much of its own to pull it through if it's dragging on the orifice as it's going through um, that it just got harder, especially as the bobbin got fuller um, with that one. So I could not have gone any thicker um, than what I did with the wheel. Um, a drop spindle does not have that limitation. You can make as thick a yarn on a drop spindle as you can physically hold in your hand um, because you don't have an orifice. The, the sky's the limit in terms of how thick your yarn can be. I guess it needs to go through whatever hook or thing you've got on the top um, or if you're tying it a hitch on it it needs to stay in the little nook that's there at the top to put that through um, but I think you could probably work around that um, with if you're trying to do something super thick 
Um, and I guess there gets a point where if your yarn is so thick, you could just not use a drop spindle at all and just use your hands to twist it. Although that's going to take you longer. Um, so that is the, um, that's kind of the pros and cons of the wheel. There's a little bit more skill. There's definitely a piece of equipment. Um, and it, if you've got a wheel, it can't be bigger than your, your orifice. Um, so I hope that you guys found this useful and interesting. Um, so I am in the process right now of creating a proposal to teach the uh, finger crocheted floor poof class. Um, if you follow us on social media, I shared this several months ago now. Um, I used a million small balls of leftover like acrylic all white yarn. Um, I It's a long story. Somebody gave me some and I donated it to the secondhand craft store, but they have a lot of partial balls of white yarn already and she didn't want any more of it. So um, I was going to teach a class there and then COVID happened, the whole thing. Um, but anyways, I used I think it was like 40 partial balls of this white yarn and it wasn't all the same white it was just a bazillion different thicknesses and brands and all kinds of stuff they just were all in the white or off-white family um, and I finger crocheted it together and then I used I didn't own a crochet hook that was thick enough or big enough to use as thick a yarn as I created. So I actually crocheted this whole floor poof just with my fingers um, because my fingers were big enough to grab, reach through the loop and grab the, um, grab the thick yarn that I was using. Um, so I am working on a proposal for our first online fiber event that we have ever done. Um, we have been accepted as vendors into the fiber world event, which is happening in August. Um, and we're, I'm working on proposals for a couple of classes or demos that I might do. Dave is walking backwards and forwards in the background with just his body weight in uh, dyed yarn. Um, it's pretty yarn. Um, so one one lot uh, is coming out of the dye pots and there was dried yarn on all of his drying racks. So he's got to carry the dried yarn back up again. So stay tuned. There will soon be a refresh of new um, hand dyed yarn of ours up on our online store. Um but anyway, the um, the Fiber World online fiber event um, is coming up and I am working that up as a proposal um, to do a class because I think it would be interesting. And I think lots of people have enough small bits of partial balls of yarn left over that they want something to do with um, that this this could be useful, I hope. Um, so go forth and try to make some super thick yarn if you have a project that calls for it because it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to play with the different ways that it could happen. Um, the last one that I gave you on the spinning wheel does create a round yarn. Um, so if you're worried about the flat yarn versus round yarn thing, that is the one that creates a round yarn. Um, plus it probably goes the fastest. You can probably make yardage faster with the spinning wheel um, than you can with either braiding or um, the other one that I said, or finger crochet. Um, it depends on a couple of factors, how thin the stuff is that you're starting with and how fast you are on a spinning wheel being the two biggest parts of it. Um, but so there are a couple of pros to the, to the wheel as well. Um, that brings me to the end. Um, it's a shorter podcast cause I'm here on my own. Um, and this way I'll have two weeks worth of stuff to talk about in the 
uh, what you're working on segment next week because I don't feel like I've done a whole lot this week. Um, it's kind of, we've kind of hit um, end of July, the uh, bumper crop season in the garden. So I've been doing a lot of that. And there's only so much that I, I try to keep in check on a fiber arts podcast of waxing poetic about gardening too much, although I know I fail. Um, anyways, we are, if you want to find us in real life, we are still doing our weekly stop now in Plainfield, um, where our shop was originally in Plainfield, Indiana, um, uh, once a week on Thursdays, um, from five until 8 PM, we are at, um, cabin, cabin, that's not right. Timber City Coffee, um, Joy's Cakery, and G's Nice Cream. Um, it's all in one building. Three small businesses partnered up together to, to run it, which I think is a genius idea. And all of their stuff is really good. Um, we almost exclusively drink the Timber City uh, coffee uh, beans at home um, because he'll put them in my mason jars when I get there so that I don't have to have um, the bags of coffee come in to throw away. Um, and um, plus, we like supporting small businesses and the coffee is really good um he does a cold brew which i really wanted last night but i can't drink coffee at eight o'clock at night or i would never sleep ever again um dave got some of the ice cream last night and i had a bite of his and it was very good and i got a snickerdoodle and cinnamon icing cupcake um, uh, which I really liked. So we've had all three things of theirs <laughs> yesterday um, and it's all, all worth doing. So if you're local, come find us on Thursdays. If you're not local, find a cool local business that does something interesting and support them too. Um, thanks for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry and our website, nomadjarchup.com. And remember in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.